0: Communion Meditation and Palm Sunday, 2023. Okay, let's start out. Uh, Dolly, would you hand out those uh, four spiritual laws? Go go ahead and take your picture first, but uh, hand out the, the four spiritual laws. Okay, turning in our Bibles or looking at the uh, uh, scriptures up there. Luke chapter eight, verse fifteen. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. And Jesus said in the main parable, it was they, they would bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness upon you. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. And finally, uh, James chapter 5. Verses 19 and 20. Brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Okay, so that's our communion scripture. Now, Palm Sunday. Mark chapter 10, verses, I'm sorry, 11 verses 7 through 10. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from trees and spread them on the road. And those who went before him and those who cried out, followed, cried out, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Luke chapter 19, verses 39 through 40. This is what followed after uh, the people were shouting Hosanna. And uh, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And some of the Pharisees called out to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Father, we just thank you for that profound message, Lord, of what happened on that glorious Palm Sunday so many years ago the week before you went to the cross. And Lord, as we combine these two thoughts, Lord God, about uh, uh, soul winning and Lord uh, uh, Palm Sunday, Lord, I pray that you bless this message and help me to give it to your people uh, with plainness of speech. Give me clarity of thought and I thank you for being with me now and giving me the strength that I need. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today combines two things, Palm Sunday and also Communion Sunday. And I'm therefore going to try to juggle between the two messages today, but we're going to see how one message ties in with the other. Now Palm Sunday just happened to fall on the first Sunday of the month this year, so I'm going to try to give you uh, uh, both of them. Now the first is Palm Sunday. And we all know the story. I just read it to you from the scripture there in Mark chapter 11. How Jesus came riding in triumphantly, but at the same time humbly to Jerusalem on a donkey. He didn't come riding on a white horse. And he didn't come in on a chariot drawn by white horses. He came on a donkey, the full of a, a donkey. Now this was the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Everything that Jesus did was a fulfillment of scripture. Starting from his very birth. His very birth was predicted to be where? In Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 And now Here he's at the end of his ministry and he's still fulfilling scripture. You know, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 tells us, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now this signals the beginning of what is called Holy Week. So this next week is going to be Holy Week for us too. So, hopefully, we are going to be in prayer and meditation about what Jesus did during that Holy Week. Because many significant events transpired there on that first Holy Week. Uh, These included the cleansing of the temple. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that uh, later on. And many important teachings and parables that he gave, including the Olivet Discourse. And what we call the Upper Room Discourse. The Olivet Discourse is found in uh, Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, and Luke chapter uh, 21. And that's when Jesus talked about what was going to happen in the times of the end. And we're living in the times of the end right now. Amen? Amen? Jesus is very close. I can feel it just looking at the world's situation today and he also gave the upper room discourse remember i've talked about that it's found in mark chapter i'm sorry john chapter 13 through 17 that was his final address his swan song if you will to his disciples before he went to the cross so it's very important for us to be familiar with it okay Now these were merely a prelude to Calvary. Calvary, his death on the cross for us personally. He died for us personally. And he died not only for us, but John tells us in his epistle, he died for the sins of the whole world. And that was followed by his burial and then his resurrection, which we're going to celebrate yes. next Sunday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Easter Sunday. Okay, so Palm Sunday, now Communion Sunday. For Communion Sundays, the last several months, we've been studying the parable of the sower and the different kinds of soil that Jesus spoke of in that parable. We talked about the, the uh, the seed that fell on the path where the soil was hard and the birds of the air stole it away and then the rocky ground where it sprouted up immediately but it, because it had no depth of soil it uh, withered when the sun came out and then there is the thorny soil where the the seed was sprouted up but it was choked out by thorns and finally last uh, communion Sunday we were talking about the good soil that brings forth a fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and a hundredfold. Now last communion Sunday I was talking about this and I talked about the judgment seat of Christ, our ultimate responsibility before God for before Jesus for the condition of our hearts, and one day we're all going to be called into account for it at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be called to, to, to be judged on how much we have produced for Jesus and his kingdom. Now, I'm not finished with the judgment seat of Christ. In a couple of months, I intend to uh, preach a little bit more out of it so you know more about what's coming down the, the pike. But for now, Jesus said that this good soil produced a crop 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This speaks of two things. It speaks of production. That is, are you producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Next Communion Sunday, I'm going to go into depth about that. But it also talks about reproduction. So, the good seed, the, the seed that falls on the good soil, it, we talk about production and reproduction. Are you reproducing for Jesus in your life? Not just ministry in general, but how many souls are you winning for the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, now, I'm tying this in with Palm Sunday. This is where I'm going with this. As Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, that first uh, Palm Sunday, so when we lead people to Christ, what does he do? He makes a triumphant entry into their hearts. Amen. Amen? That's where I'm going with this. Okay? You see, you are all witness to the fact that every Sunday, Sunday in and Sunday out, during prayer time, what do I pray for? I pray for our uh, loved ones, friends and family, right? What do I pray? I pray for the ones that are unsaved and the ones that are saved, right? Okay. So we pray for our unsaved loved ones, you know, and our families and friends. But how many of us really can make a gospel presentation to them if they show interest? You tell your unsaved loved one, your friend, or your family, you tell them about Jesus, and you say, I'm really interested. Uh, I want to receive this Jesus into my life. And what do you say? Are you dumbfounded? Uh, what do I do next now? You know Or do you know exactly what to do in that situation? You know, uh, Peter says in First Peter chapter 3 verse 15, Peter writes, "But sanctify Christ, uh, Christ is Lord in your hearts, and be always ready, to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with uh, meekness and or reverence for God. With meekness and fear. Fear there means reverence uh, for God. Okay, now I want to go through and break down that particular verse right there. There's three things I see. First of all, Peter writes... Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. So here's an important thought. Christ Jesus should be living in your heart. everybody's a Christian here, right? I don't see anybody I don't know. you know everybody knows Jesus. everybody received Christ into your heart. okay. Now if you are indeed a Christian, Jesus is living in your heart, What's He doing in your heart? You ever stop to think about that? Is He sitting on the throne of your heart? Or are you still sitting on the throne? You've made Him your Savior. Have you made Him your Lord? But that's what Peter is getting at. Sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart. Set Him apart. Put Him there on the throne. Before you can be effective at all in witnessing to others, he needs to assume his rightful position as the king and lord of your life. And if not, whatever you're going to be doing is going to be done in the flesh, in human effort, and you are not going to be effective. Second thing I see is the end of the verse there. It says that we're to give the answer to everybody that asks us. And then it says, with meekness and with fear. Fear meaning reverence for God. Meekness indicates the attitude you are to have in witnessing and presenting the gospel. You are to be like Jesus. Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I I will give you rest. And then he tells you in verse 29, this is in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, verse 29. He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So Jesus doesn't barge into our lives. He doesn't come in and say, you make me king. It's got to be your own personal free will, brothers and sisters. And so it is, you know, and and this is the way he made his triumphant entry, right? He made it riding on a donkey, not a white horse. He rode a a donkey indicating his office as a prophet. That's what they used to say. A king would come into a city on a white horse. But a prophet would come in on a donkey. So he came in to give us his word. And to eventually die for our sins. So the application here. Is if you display an attitude of superiority. And arrogance, and I've run into people like that that try to uh, convert me to their particular persuasion, and they do it very arrogantly with an air of superiority. You know, that's the attitude that the Pharisee, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, found in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. The Pharisee was arrogant and called attention to himself and boasted of his own righteousness before God. So, if you display that attitude of superiority and uh, arrogance, people are not going to listen to you. You do it meekly, with a spirit of meekness and fear, reverence to God. The third and final thing that I see here in First. Peter chapter 3 verse 15 it says right in the middle of the uh, verse there be ready always to give a defense the Greek word there for defense is the Greek word apologia that's where we get our word apology from Now, that doesn't mean uh, to say, well, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. I apologize for being a Christian. No. One of my uh, uh, Bible college professors used to say that word has considerably weakened through the uh, uh, years. But to make an apology, an apologia, meant to give a defense, and not just any kind of defense, if it warranted a vigorous defense. Think about the defense attorney. You go on trial for some alleged crime. You want a defense attorney who's going to give a strong apologia, strong defense for you. And that's what you do with the, when you witness to other people. You give them a defense. You explain to them the gospel. Okay? Now there's... Two things I want to say about this. Number one, we need to be prayed up beforehand. If you're praying for your unsaved loved ones, you should be prayed up. Sometimes you get a, uh, get down on your knees and really just cry out to God for their souls. Okay? When you're prayed up beforehand, you also pray for opportunities to share with them. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You know there's a a little poem that I learned many many years ago and it goes like this. I couldn't find out who wrote it. I think it might have been C.T. Studd uh, who was a uh, missionary to uh, several countries. You know, one of my great heroes of the faith. He went to China, then to India, and eventually to Africa, where he eventually uh, um, uh, passed on from this life. And his little poem went like this. Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way. You know, the conclusion here, while we're uh, distributing the elements, we're going to listen to a couple of songs. I didn't even know that poem had been sent to music, but when I was checking it out, I found out that it had been. So we're going to hear a couple of uh, songs about this at uh, uh, the conclusion of the uh, service. Okay? Now, one of the key parts of that little poem is, Teach me, Lord, just what to say. Be ready to always give an answer. That's the way it reads. Uh, 1 uh, uh, Peter 3.15 reads in the King James Version. You need to be studied up as well as prayed up. So you want your unsaved loved one to come to Christ. Be prayed up and be studied up. So you can give a coherent uh, gospel presentation. Now... I cut my teeth, brothers and sisters, with a gospel presentation called The Four Spiritual Laws. It's formulated by a man by the name of Bill Bright, who was the uh, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, so you gave that out to everybody. Everybody's got a copy of that, don't you? If you don't have a copy, raise your hand, because we're going to be going through that uh, right now. And I'm going to go up into the booth and uh, go through a PowerPoint presentation uh, for it. So if you would, just follow along in your uh, handout so you can see what this is all about. here. Okay, have you heard of the four spiritual laws? Just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, so there are spiritual laws which govern your relationship with God. Okay, law number one. God is love. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. 1 John chapter 4 verse 16. We know and we believe that God loves us. God is love. God has a plan for your life. Jesus was... Speaking of the devil, he calls him the thief. The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So why is it that most people are not experiencing God's abundant life? So law number two, sin separates. You have men up here and God over here. And there's a great gulf in between the two of them. So law number two is man is sinful and separated from God. Therefore he cannot know and experience God's love and plan for his life. So man is sinful. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All have sinned except me. (laughs) No, all have sinned. I am a sinner you are a sinner and we fall short of God's glory. Okay, so you have mankind and then you've got God and separating the two of them is man's sin and eventual spirit, well it's the default position is spiritual death for all of us. So God is holy. It says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And man is separated. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You know, when you take these handouts, don't throw them away, brothers and sisters. Take them home and study them. And it's important to memorize each one of these scriptures that is there on that handout. Okay? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. Okay? Man is holy. Man, I'm sorry. God is holy and man is sinful. Now what happens is man tries to build the bridge over to God here. His bridge is his good works, his religion. You know, the great gap separates the two of us, man and God. Man is continually trying to reach God and abundant life through his own efforts. For example, there's good works, um, religion here, ethics, philosophy, etc., By the way, uh, going back up here over again. Okay, if you die in that condition, you experience eternal death. Eternal separation from God. And that's the last thing that you want. Okay. You know, because God is holy, God cannot allow sin in His presence. And man is continually trying to build that bridge through his own efforts. And some people don't care. They just try to obtain that eternal, that, that, that abundant life by their own means, by following off what the world says. And I've talked to you about that before. You know, the world says to follow after fortune, fame, power, and pleasure, and then you'll have that abundant life. But we know that that's not true. That's a lie. Okay, law number three is that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through Him, you can know and experience God's love and plan for your life. Now, this particular PowerPoint presentation that I downloaded from the internet yesterday didn't have any proof text, so I put that in the handout. So look at uh, law number three in your handout. Okay, and I've given you two scriptures there. The first is John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, that is to Thomas and to the disciples there at the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. And then the Apostle Peter When he stood before the Sanhedrin, he told them, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay. Then law number four. Okay. Now this is the thing. Jesus Christ is that only way, but you have to take a step of faith and cross over the bridge From your sinful life here, that's what that represents, to where God is here. You have to cross the bridge. You have to take steps in that direction. Okay? We must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And we receive Christ. I'm sorry, uh, John 1, 12 there. But some people did accept Him. So it talks about there in, in uh, John 1, how the mankind in general rejected Jesus Christ. But then it says in John 1, 12, but some people did accept Him. They believed in Him. And to them, He gave the right to become the children of God. Okay, so we receive Christ through faith. And you have to take that step of faith by crossing over that bridge that God supplies to you through Jesus Christ. It says in uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 6, I'm sorry, chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace you are saved. Actually it reads, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And we receive Christ by invitation. Once He comes into our lives, He wants to live in a close, intimate relationship with Him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and, it says, sup with him or have uh, dine with him. In other words, close, intimate fellowship. And this involves a repentance from sin. means to turn away from sin and march in the opposite direction. Okay? So, Revelation 3.20. Okay, the second part of that verse, it's not given there. I will come in to him and sup with him or have fellowship with him and he with me. Okay, now there's several more slides in the presentation here. Uh, Don't have time to go through them all. Although this is marvelous, you know. Okay, here's Revelation uh, 3.20 again. We've all seen that picture of Jesus knocking at the door. And the door represents the door of our hearts. Now, the sinner's prayer. Okay, once the person says, I want what you have. I want this Jesus Christ in my life. You lead them to Jesus Christ. They need to do it publicly, not just before you. They can do it before you, but they need to do it publicly too. Okay, the prayer of a sinner turning to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned against you and that my sins separate me from you. I'm truly sorry. Right now I am turning away from my sinful past. That's the repentance there. Please forgive me and help me to keep from sin. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive and you hear this prayer from my heart. I invite you, Jesus, to be both my Savior and Lord of my life. I want you to rule my life from now on. Okay? And then it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay? Now you give a testimony. Having given a testimony. This, this, la- this is the last slide here. God's... The Gospel. They've made an acronym right here. Gospel stands for God's only Son promises eternal life. John 3.16. Okay? So, that's the slide presentation. I uh, downloaded that from the internet yesterday, and I thought it was very good, so um, I went on ahead and uh, brought it in to give you that presentation. Okay, there's two things that I would say in conclusion to this. Number one is that sinner's prayer. How many of you got Greg uh, Laurie's New Believers Bible? How many of you got it? Everybody should have it. Okay, now just inside the back flap there is a sinner's prayer right there. How many of you knew that was there? Okay, it's there. So you can take that home uh, with you. Or you should already have it at at home. Okay, now this is Greg Laurie's uh, sinner's prayer. Okay, and you can use this. If you've got this new believer's Bible, you have uh, uh, one of your unsaved loved ones in your house, you can lead them in this sinner's prayer. And this captures all of the highlights that we just went through in the four spiritual laws. It says, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have broken your commandments and fallen short of your standards. Right now, I turn from that sin and ask you to come into my life. Be my Lord, Savior, friend, and God. I put my faith in In Jesus Christ. In Him alone. Right? Jesus is the only way. You've got to put your faith in Jesus alone. Thank you in Him alone to save me from my sins. Thank you for loving me and calling me. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah. So it's right there. You've got a copy of the sinner's prayer. So even if you missed all the uh, points in that sinner's prayer that I showed you on the PowerPoint presentation, you still have it, okay? But keep in mind these four spiritual laws. And again, don't throw that away, brothers and sisters. Hold on to it. Yes. And study it. more. And Just as important as holding on to it is study it for yourself so you know how to do it. Now, another thing that I want to talk about in conclusion, and that is the necessity of repentance. And I think this may be a weak part to a lot of gospel presentations, is they don't stress repentance enough. You know, I uh, record uh, Greg Laurie, his uh, uh, messages... On my dVR at uh, at home and i 've been going through there and he he had one particular series on this very uh, topic of uh, presenting the gospel to other people, and he stressed repentance and I realized that that 's kind of a weak part of my gospel presentation uh, that i 've had before is i don 't stress repentance enough now when Jesus came into Jerusalem, on that first Palm Sunday. You know what the first thing he did after coming in? He went to the temple. And what did he do? He found the temple, at least the outer courts there, were overrun by these money changers and people selling animals for sacrifice. They did that because they... Uh, uh, the Pharisees, the, the priests there, they wouldn't accept the animals that the uh, uh, people brought in. So they learned to go there and to have to pay the exorbitant prices of these money changers. And they were paying for it with Roman money because that's all the Romans would have. And they would say, well, you can't uh, pay for it with Roman money. You got to go over to the uh, money changers and get it changed into Jewish money. And the money changers were charging these exorbitant exchange rates, and so the people were getting ripped off. That's why Jesus overturned all the uh, tables, and uh, you know the uh, you know for the money changers, you know because he was angry because the people were getting ripped off, and all they wanted to do was worship God. So. When Jesus truly comes into your life, you know what He does? He cleanses your temple as well. Amen? Amen? And that's called repentance. Jesus comes into your life and He'll clean out all of the filth. Everything that was dead. Everything that was destroying you, He'll cleanse that for you out of your life. You don't have to give anything up. All you have to do is be willing to let him come in and clean up your life. So the key thing is, are you willing to let him do that? Are you willing to let him do that work? Paul wrote in uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Let's continue. Sinning so God's grace can just more be manifested in our life. But Paul said, God forbid. May it never be so. You know, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Okay? Now that was the message. It says that John the Baptist came, baptizing them, people, into repentance and remission of sin. Doesn't do any good to baptize you if you're not repenting of your sin. That's what baptism is all about. It simulates the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, too, you are dead to sin. Your old life is dead and buried away, and you rise again to new life in Jesus Christ through that repentance. Also, Peter, when he preached baptism, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, people said, "What should we do that? Then do? And what did uh, Peter say? He said, "Repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of sin. OK? Now, in listening to Greg Laurie, one, one uh, defect I saw in his presentation is he described repentance as being an about face. Now, I don't know if he ever served in the mission, uh, ministry. You know, you say, you know, I was in the Air Force, you know, say, about face. I'm, I'm out of practice, sorry. <laughs> okay, about face. Now, what, what that does, though, is it presupposes that you're standing still, right? Okay? Repentance is more like this. You know, you're marching along. Hut, hu, he, whore. Hut, hu, he, whore. Hut, hu, he, whore. Okay? And then they would give a command, to the rear, hurch! And you turn around. That's a better illustration, I think what repentance is right because everybody is marching somewhere in life amen Amen. nobody is standing still you're either marching away from god or you're marching to god okay so it's more like to the rear heart and you turn around and quit walking marching the way you're marching quit walking the way you're walking and turn around and follow god instead That's what we sang, isn't it? You know, we sang this morning, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Okay? So, and this is what the Bible says. The Bible compares the Christian walk, uh, there I said it, the Christian life to a walk. Right? Paul wrote, walk in the Spirit and you will not... Fulfill the desires of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, excuse me, verse uh, 16. It's also compared to a race. Know ye not that those who run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you might attain. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Okay, so. Communion meditation for today. We need a repentance in our attitude towards preaching the gospel to other people. Whether they're our unsaved loved ones or the people we just meet on the street. All need Jesus. Amen? And that's what, that was another song that we sang here this morning, too. We sang Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, right? My hill song. Okay. Hosanna was what the people sang when Jesus entered into his triumphant entry on that first Palm Sunday. But there's, and I've, I've talked to you about this before, there's a line in there, break my heart with what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause As I go from nothing to eternity. Break my heart with what breaks yours. Do you think God's heart breaks for every soul that passes into eternity without ever knowing Him? And here we have the message, brothers and sisters. So you need to be concerned about them, but you need to be concerned about yourself too. You know what? Because... So many people walk around moping, oh, don't have any joy. You know, a surefire way to get the joy of the Lord, brothers and sisters, is to learn to share the gospel with others. You know, this is my experience. The, the people that I've seen that had the most joy in their lives were the ones that shared the gospel the most. I mean, they, they were just light bulbs. You couldn't turn them off. You want joy in your life? Learn to be an evangelist. Learn to present the gospel to those that are around you. Now, if you've been failing in your sharing the gospel with others because you say, well, I don't know what to say. Well, now you know what to say. You've got the four spiritual laws. I've given that to you. Okay? You know how to do it now. So, as we uh, come forward and uh, uh, partake of the elements, uh, if you would, uh, Freddie and uh, uh, Sarah, please come forward and uh, distribute the elements. And we'll uh, kick off the uh, uh, songs there. Again, this is taken from that little poem that I shared with you. Lead me to some soul today, oh teach me, Lord, just what to say. Okay. Yeah, it's already up here. Okay. Listen to the words here.
1: Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to say Friends of mine are lost in sin And cannot find their way Few there are who seem to care And few there are who pray Melt my heart and fill my life Give me one soul today. May the lost by truth be won to thine own dear beloved Son, as I labor to proclaim thy will in Jesus' name. Few there are who seem to care And few there are who pray. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.
2: Lead me to some soul today. Or just what to say. Cause friends of mine are lost in sin. And cannot find their way. You there are who seem to care. You there are who pray. So melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today. some soul today, oh teach me Lord just what to say, cause friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way, few there are who seem to care, and few there are who pray, so melt my heart and fill my life.
0: Amen. Is that your prayer today? I hope that it is. Bring up that PowerPoint presentation, if you would. Uh. This 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 one, uh. Susie. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, communion meditation for today. Now, I always tell you that the purpose of uh, communion is twofold. Number one, it is a time to remember the Lord's death on behalf of our sins. With both the bread and the cup, Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. Remember the price that I paid for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. The Lord Jesus, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, This eat, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay. and then Paul added in verse 26 for as often as you eat of this bread and drink this cup you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes second of all it's a time to closely examine our lives for sin to see how committed we really are and if we fall short in either make a new commitment to him it's like last communion Sunday, I shared with you the uh, uh, story of Rick Howard and how he didn't even realize that this verse was in the Bible at the time that he received that vision of the judgment seat of Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 31 and 32, this is at the conclusion of the uh, <coughs> Great Corinthians passage that we use to uh, lead our communion services. He says, he wrote, Paul wrote, For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But if, when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Okay? So that's the second time thing that uh, uh, item that's involved in communion service is to examine yourself. Now I just gave you something to examine your life with. Are you really committed to um, to uh, uh, living out this thing that I have shared with you, of sharing the gospel with other people? Okay? Closing song there? lead me to some soul today should be our prayer daily. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 26. For Receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me okay Lord we hold up to you the uh, bread that we've been uh, uh, has been distributed to us Lord and we think of what this means to us Lord God how it represents your body which was broken for us Lord how it was torn open Lord by the cat of nine tails your brow was pierced with that crown of thorns and Lord God they pulled the hair of your beard out of your face, Lord God. And then they nailed your hands and your feet to that cross, and then you had your side pierced with that uh, uh, spear, Lord, after you had already expired, Lord God, and blood and water, your word says that blood and water poured out, Lord, as a symbol, Lord, that the plasma, Lord, had separated from the red corpuscles. And Lord God, it was a sign that you had indeed died there on the cross for our sins. And so, Lord, help. we lift this up to you, and we tell you, Lord, we appreciate what you did for us, that your body was broken for us. And we think of this as we partake of the the bread. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. You know, it says in the book of Hebrews that uh, these covenants are inaugurated by the shedding of blood. So it's done with animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. But now the new covenant, the New Testament has been inaugurated by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for so much for the blood that you spilled there on the cross, Lord, for our sins. And how this inaugurated the new covenant, Lord, uh, by your uh, blood being shed for us. Lord, we thank you for the exceeding great and precious promises, Lord God, that uh, with the shedding of blood uh, there is remission of sin. And, uh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, if we walk in the light as you are in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of you, Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, keeps on cleansing us from every sin. So we lift up the cup to you, Lord God. And, Lord, help us to discern your blood, Lord, as we partake of it. Amen. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He returns. Okay, so how many of you are inspired now? Get out and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this this church is never going to really prosper until we take seriously are called to evangelize. And everybody is called to be an evangelist. I always think of uh, Paul's words to Timothy, where he wrote, Do the work of an evangelist. And that is what he's telling each of us to do now to also.